0: Mungrel podcast 26 i'm joined as always by the lovely mrs mongrel who has uh been cooking up a storm the last week or so have you
1: <laughs> yeah, I have been i made you a pumpkin risotto Ah, oh, ah oh, yes
0: risotto pretty good you like that i did and i would like some more <laughs> it's Although so I gone we ate it <laughs> i do have to cut up the pumpkin so it's true you know there's drawbacks people you know you've really got to pay if you want to play in this house <laughs> um mrs mongrel i've been Thinking about giving you the floor to start with this podcast, mm-hmm. and probably more often because oh. some of the feedback I've been getting is they want more Mrs. Mungrel and less of me. No, I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> robust fella, but that hurts. That hurts so much. So anyway, I, I thought I'd just get the state of the game from you going in the state of the AFL game right now.
1: Look, there's actually something that's bothering me Uh-oh quite a bit, and Uh-oh. it's it's actually about one of your writers.
0: Well, look, they bother me a lot too. But... <laughs> Is there one in particular? Daniel? DJK?
1: DJK has let me down terribly. He oh. said something in the Mongol chat, which I, I'm not privy to, but you pointed it out to me because you couldn't stop laughing.
0: But it has cut me I was me laughing deeply. with with everybody, with you. Now, I just want to point out at the moment, you're pointing to a T-shirt that you have on, and it has Nicolas Cage emerging from a banana. Now, I bought this for you. He's also naked, (laughs) emerging from a banana. Now, I bought this for you as a joke.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's not funny. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's it's turned
0: rather serious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You also bought me some stickers with his face on it for Christmas.
0: I did. And now our daughter plays with them. And she calls them the wizard.
1: The wizard cage. And I think you bought me a pillowcase with his face on it.
0: Yeah, look. They were all joke (laughs) presents. I'm sorry you (laughs) took them so seriously. So, So...
1: yeah, Daniel said that said something rude about Nicolas Cage.
0: No, he said something rude about one his of movies, the teams. For
1: his acting or
0: He said he hadn't seen a performance this bad, referring to a team that was getting beaten pretty badly, and I can't remember which one it was. And he said he hadn't seen a performance that bad since he saw the last Nicolas Cage movie.
1: Look, on one hand I'm furious at him. <laughs> what a flog. on the other hand I should never have taught you
0: that word I'm
1: starting to understand how sports fans feel when somebody says anything about their team anything because I lose my shit whenever anybody says anything about Nicolas Cage I love Nicolas Cage National Treasure is probably the greatest movie ever made
0: what about National Treasure 2?
1: second greatest, sometimes first depending on the mood I'm in and what? Yes, uh, you know, admittedly, Conair hasn't aged particularly well, and that's fine. Nor
0: has his hairstyle from that movie. Come on, that, that's that's obvious. He's... His
1: flowing locks are gorgeous. What? Are you... Don't even talk to me. A Amal- 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 mullet is all Dog business house. at the
0: front and party at the back. He's got nothing going on at the front. He's just like a. It's like a, the veranda, and <laughs> the party's out the back.
1: I feel like we might go on a health kick.
0: No, it's about it. Nicolas Cage is great. I don't we're do back.
1: <laughs> anyway. I'm pretty angry at Daniel. He's no longer my favourite writer.
0: Daniel's got a bit of work to do?
1: Now Trent's my favourite writer.
0: Trent, okay. I'm not sure about Trent's take on Nicolas Cage, but uh, (laughs) maybe it'll all come out in the next week or so, Hmm. and we'll have another opening segment where you just pay out on someone.
1: Oh, it's all right. I'll forget about this in a week.
0: Oh, good. (laughs) I'm looking forward to you forgetting. (laughs) We might move on from that uh, inauspicious beginning. (laughs) And to start talking about the contenders, we're getting down to the business end, one round to go. We're sorting the wheat out from the chaff, which is a great saying. I don't know how they do that. Some Uh, sort of sifting motion, perhaps? Uh, Who knows? So we'll start at the top, because that's a very good place to start. Port Adelaide have flown under the radar all season, and I can't believe they're being treated with this sort of contempt from segments of the AFL media. I think it was on either Friday night or Saturday. They spoke about it was oh look, I say AFL media, but you know, it's just some bloke sitting around talking really. I think it was Luke Darcy who trotted out the do we rate Port Adelaide as one of the best teams in the league? Or do we have them a rung or two below a couple of others? And I'm like, this team has sat on top of the ladder for the entire season. Chances are barring some sort of disaster this weekend coming. They're going to go from Round 1 all the way to the end without losing top spot. That hasn't been done for 20 years. Yet somehow, Port Adelaide aren't aren't rated at the same level as Richmond, who they beat about a month ago, by the way. And they're not rated at the same level as Geelong. Admittedly, the Cats did give Port Adelaide a whack earlier in the year. They beat them by by 9 or 10 goals. So people are holding on to that saying well, perhaps they're going to fall over in a big way when they play the good teams. They've lost to St Kilda, and they've lost to Geelong. They've beaten everybody else. Oh, so
1: they, they lost to St Kilda?
0: Yeah, that's when St Kilda was playing well.
1: <gasps> right, yeah, okay, fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the teams don't always play well. Yeah. They have ups and downs. So Port, maybe they're a little bit too reliant on Charlie Dixon. He's been held goalless twice this year, and on both occasions they've lost. So there's a bit of a prevailing attitude that if you can shut down him, make sure he doesn't take any marks, you're going to get to Port Adelaide and screw him over, basically. I'm looking at where their other options are. Robbie Gray, your buddy. Looks like a bartender. You're looking at me quizzically because you don't know who I'm talking about.
1: No, I do. Of course I do. We've got another helicopter going over. Oh, well. Just just when... for all our listeners <laughs> Somehow Jeez, you
0: run drugs for a few years <laughs> And all of a sudden helicopters fly over your house all the time
1: We somehow managed to start being over a flight path or something
0: Yeah, they shifted the airport
1: Because <laughs> of COVID <laughs> yeah, And also him. because of Daniel
0: Yeah, Daniel Andrews No Oh, <laughs> Daniel John Kershaw Yeah He's doing it all <laughs> So I, I reckon they're, they're starting to get the best out of Robbie Gray again Not his optimum But it's getting to the point where he's starting to do the little things that make a big impact. He had a little tap on, just brilliant little side tap to a running player on the weekend, set up a goal. And I'm like, yeah, he's actually starting to look like the sort of player that will make a big difference. I was going to say in September, but we are in September, in October, when the finals start. They also need a lift from Connor Rosie, who he's... Been thereabouts, but he hasn't made that next step from a spectacular first year. He's a very, very good player, but I reckon he's got a level or two that he can get to that he hasn't been to this year. And I reckon one of uh, Todd Marshall or Mitch Georgiadis needs to have a big finals campaign as well for Port to for Port to make a prelim possibly into the grand final.
1: There's another Todd.
0: Another Todd. He. This is one I, I always call him Sticks. He's all arms and legs and he's he's got like a sunken chest the poor bugger. Aww. He's only young. How old is he? Oh, he'd be maybe 20, I oh, think. Oh, that's a bubber. Okay. Yeah, so he's no he's no Darcy Fogarty who's all thighs and and arms. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he's also 20. Yeah, he's 20 as well. So but he what he what this guy does is he kind of gets under the radar and sneaks out a little bit and takes the heat off Charlie Dixon a little bit. The other bloke, Mitch Georgiatis, was the guy I told you about who had his dad played and kicked all those goals on oh, debut. Yeah. So he'd be looking at his son going, yeah, you're going well, son, but I did this and I did that. <laughs> He's a bit of a spring-heeled jack, so huge natural leap, can take a big mark, but can also go missing for a long time. They'll also get a lift when Zach Butters comes back. It's Maddow Man's favourite favourite player.
1: Oh, really? That's oh, nice. Maddow
0: Man has an unnatural attraction to... Zach Butters at the moment. Does he? Well, I don't know if he's attracted to him. I'm just throwing that in there. But he has a a definite like of the boy. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we're waiting for... Talking to
1: the the woman sitting in a...
0: In a Nicolas Cage banana t-shirt. Huge top. (laughs) Surrounding myself with quality here. (laughs) Um, Jump to Richmond. To everybody who watches football, they can see that Richmond are the threat this year. Yet again. So aside from... A terrible preliminary final in 2018. Richmond could be gunning for their fourth premiership in a row. Of course, they lost that, so they're looking for three out of four. But they play a brand of footy that's pretty much unlike anything I've seen at the moment. They're happy to let a team take the football, pass it around, screw around with it, dominate possession. And then when they get it, they just go, okay, had enough of this crap. We're going forward in a wave and we're going to score. So they beat Geelong, I think it was 26 points or something in the end. It was relatively convincing, but that should have been a 10 goal win. The way they used, well, they kicked seven goals, 15. Geelong were nowhere near it, and then somehow in the last quarter they were back within a couple of goals. And I was like, how how the hell has this happened? They came with a flurry, and you know Richmond basically just had to had to steady a little bit. But they can lose every key indicator in a game and still win so they lost marks they lost contested possessions they lost uncontested possessions they lost clearances all the things that coaches point to and they say these are our must wins this is what we have to do to win the game geelong actually did them all and still got beat and beat quite convincing convincingly so richmond are playing the sort they're they're playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers out there they've got an ace in the hole in dustin martin you're going to say something have you
1: ever played checkers yeah. Because you say this a couple of times and I'm like, I've checkers never really is,
0: played checkers. Checkers is like drafts. People call it yeah, drafts. Yeah, I've never played that. You've never played drafts.
1: How old are you?
0: God, no. Why would I have done that? Drafts. where well, you jump them and you make a king and you can move backwards and stuff. No. How old are you? I don't
1: know.
0: <laughs> maybe you can play it on your phone or something. That's oh, a, maybe. That seems boring. You can boring. learn it. So they've got Dusty, who is one who's capable of, of lifting his game. They've got Jack Revolt, who's coming back into form. They just lost Ivan Soldo. What? Soldo, you know, oh, he's from your team, isn't he? Your
1: yes, All I like him.
0: Look, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you, but Ivan Soldo has done his knee. <gasps> no. And he'll be out for 12 months, which means he doesn't just miss the rest of this season. He'll be gone for the entire, entire 2021 season as well.
1: Well, what's left in Richmond? They're done for.
0: No, I like their other Ruckman, Toby Nankervis, a real warrior, <laughs> Premiership Ruckman. He's no slouch. Um, There's no Soldo. No, well... Well, no one's really Soldo. I mean, what, I want to ask you then, hang on, what happens if Ivan Soldo comes back and he shaved off his 1930 strongman mustache?
1: Dead to me. Absolutely <laughs> dead it. to he's me. That's it, he's out the window. Over. He's like, Ivan,
0: Done. keep the mustache. You're going to lose fans <laughs> without it, buddy. So he's 24. He's got plenty of time to come back and reestablish himself in that Richmond team. They've also got Dion Prestia, reigning best in Ferris, to come back. Shane Edwards, proven campaigner. Maybe Asbury Broad. Jack Higgins, the bloke you like who has trouble being eloquent, <laughs> says the guy who can't speak. <laughs> and they've got a record in Queensland. I think they've won their last 12 games in Queensland, 12 or 13. They're just on a roll up there. So, look, all, all indications are that Richmond are going to go very, very close this year. It's hard to look past them. Let's jump to Geelong. Now, Geelong were flying up until this week. And they were prepped for the big game against Richmond. This was a a marquee matchup, this one. Everyone was like, oh, oh, we spoke about it last podcast. And you're like, really? Is it? And your reaction was. (laughs) was probably the right one. Because Richmond showed up and Geelong played terribly. So what they've been talking about recently is Hawkins Island on TV. You would have heard about that. It's like Gilligan's Island, except Tom Hawkins is a bit more dorky than Gilligan. So they open up this huge space in their forward line. And they leave Hawkins one-on-one with his opponent. And Richmond just came out and said, no, fuck that. That's not happening. They bought up all the real estate on Hawkins Island. They plonked their tents down. They plonked their umbrellas down. And they said, no, no chance, Tom. And they just blanketed him. Dylan Grimes was all over him like a rash. (laughs) Was all over him like a rash Joganino comes home with. That's 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 how bad it it was. Is that better? (laughs) There you go. So they absolutely gave them a caning. And I was wondering, where's your plan B? Geelong, no real plan B here. They just kept kicking the ball long to Tom Hawkins and hoping he was going to do something. It took until the last quarter when they moved Esava Ratugalia forward and he took a couple of strong marks and had he been able to kick straight, he might have have brought them back a little bit. So I look at Chris Scott and I think, is he being innovative or sometimes is he being too smart for his own good? He opted to play a bloke named Ben Jarvis. I think his name's Ben. Let's just say Jarvis. Sounds like a a house cleaner, a butler. So he
1: opted to play Jarvis.
0: Yeah, he played Jarvis. Hello, Jarvis, would you like a game? (laughs) He he gave him the game over Josh Jenkins. Now, I went back and had a look through Josh Jenkins' success against Richmond, and he's kicked three or more goals, I think, on the last three occasions he's played them. And they left him out of the side. And I'm like, gee, that... (laughs) I'm not really sure that was a wise move. In hindsight it's obviously easy to say that. But even going into the game I'm like, wow, I would have really played Jenkins in this game. I think he's he's comfortable playing against Richmond. He's not overawed, obviously. This do young they, kid.
1: Do they say something if they're sick? If they're sick? Yeah, like if if JJ was sick.
0: No, he wasn't sick. He was ready to play. So he was named as an emergency, in. which means if someone gets injured, oh. he comes in. All oh, right, okay. Someone did get injured. Gary Rowan didn't play. And they opted to put Jarvis in for his first game against Richmond. Oh, I can't remember when it was during the game, but at one point he went for a mark and you could tell he was a bit iffy and he ducked his head. He put his head down to try he try and scared. soften the... he got a bit scared. He made up for it a bit later on, but at that point you were like, oh gosh, he probably shouldn't have played. They got a bloke, bloke called Mark Blitzavs who can play anywhere, basically, but his best position is in defence. They've been starting him on the wing. They did it last year in the finals and it backfired enormously. I reckon Geelong really need to have their role players at their absolute best. Guys like Luke Dalhouse, Tom Atkins, Brandon Parfitt, whose defensive side's really come on this year. He needs to be at his best. All those sort of players have to be playing at their optimum in order to match it with Richmond. If they're down, Richmond will kill them. And other teams should be able to capitalise as well. Finally, they're going to be getting back Joel Selwood. Gary Ablett, Jack Stephen, and Reece Stanley. So it's a nice quartet to bring back in that side. Offers experience and some real class as well. As well as a fair bit of grunt from Selwood Wood and and Stephen as well. So then by no means out of it. But they may have shot themselves in the foot a little bit this week. I didn't think they gave themselves the best chance to beat Richmond at selection. Brisbane. The Brisbane loins. (laughs) They're not doing much wrong. They keep winning. It was a little worried this week when they allowed Sydney Sydney to get back within two points in the last oh, really? quarter. So this was the sort of game was played in Cairns. It was wet. It was... Slippery balls. Me- Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> I won't touch that. And uh, if you want to touch it, go for your life. Uh, so it's always a, a bit of a hit and miss game in Cairns because it is always dewy and slippery. Then the rain came as well. So it... There was no getting away from it. And it looked to me as though they were just going to cruise along, win by a couple of goals. They were about 15 points in front for a lot of the game. Then Sydney just went bang, bang in the last quarter, kicked the first two goals, and it sparked Brisbane into action. They responded, I think, with the next six goals, five goals? can't remember. And ran over the top of them. But I was thinking if they need that kind of spark to get going, if they give teams chances in the finals they're not going to be able to just run over the top of them like they did to Sydney. They're not going to run over the top of Geelong like that. They're not going to run over the top of Port Adelaide like that. Or they're not going to run over the top of Richmond like that either. I think they've lost to Richmond the last 12 times they've played them. So if they have the capacity to play that sort of football, they need to be doing it right from the start, not waiting until they actually get challenged and then say, oh, hell, we better actually start moving the ball a bit better here. They need someone to put a stop to whoever's tagging Lockie Neal. They had um, Ryan Clark go to him, Sydney. And nobody went really in... And... Was that
1: the guy who was shoving him constantly?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was his whole job, to annoy Lockie Neal and make sure he didn't get the ball.
1: It annoyed me. So obviously he did a very good job. Yeah,
0: and you were getting a bit riled up about it. I was.
1: It. Just kept shoving him.
0: See, I don't mind that sort of stuff because what it does is it forces the team to actually think about what they're doing and where they're going to win the ball and how they help Lockie Neal. So they've got some big bodies up there, and I was hoping that someone like Cam Alice yolman was going to run in and knock Ryan Clark on his ass. I mean, he's a huge bloke, really, really strong, and I'm thinking, that that's your role. You look after this bloke in the middle. No one really did it. Mitch Robinson took a bit of pride in nailing Clark in a tackle late in the game, but what what are you smiling about, nailing him? I
1: like that. No, the um, the tackle, I remember, because you showed me. Yeah. I was very impressed. He actually yeah. had a
0: good time doing it, so... Yeah. <laughs> They need someone to come in and actually disrupt what the tag is doing. The Hipwood, Rainer, and McStay combination worries me. Now, McStay was really good in this game. <laughs> Sounds
1: like an accounting firm. Hipwood, yeah. Rainer, and McStay.
0: I wouldn't be trusting them with my taxes, I tell you that much. These these guys have the ability to kick nine between them or could end up with none. Now, when, when I watch McStay, I've been pretty critical of him in, in our reviews over the last month. He actually played really well in this one. His first half was really good in the wet. He stood up, took marks, threw his body in, uh, went all the way back down to to defense and bailed him out a couple of times. It's probably the best I've seen him play, even though his return probably doesn't indicate that. They do have a wonderful home ground advantage, though. Grand final's going to be in Brisbane.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, and with the grand final in Brisbane, if they make it, that place is going to be rocking. A lot of uh, a lot of Brisbane support up there. <laughs> You're
1: so funny. What a great a lot of, a lot
0: of Brisbane support in Brisbane. Who to thunk it?
1: Shocking stuff.
0: Last team I think they can contend, West Coast. They look like they're going to finish fifth and get a home final, which is really important for them. So, if they finish fifth, they'll play the eighth place team in Western Australia. Oh, right, because okay. uh, they'll have the advantage. They'll go home and play them over there. There's plenty to come back into this team. You've got Elliot Yeo, Luke Shuey, Dom Sheed, and Lewis Jedder who we spoke about on this podcast about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And I was wondering how the hell he wasn't getting the game, given his disposal and how good it is. Now, he played, but he played forward. If they can somehow slot him into half back and allow him to deliver through the middle, we're going to see West Coast tear a team up, I think, in that first week of the finals. Um, they did lose Jeremy McGovern. Big, big, big loss, hamstring. And it looked like a bit of a nasty one. So remember when I did mine at the park the other day and I was walking relatively okay? Yep. He wasn't walking okay. He was very stiff-legged, had a lot of trouble getting off the ground, uh, was hobbling around on the bench, and his role is vital to West Coast. they got a bloke called Tom Barris who can who can slot in and have some big games, but he doesn't have the same presence as McGovern did. He'll really have to lift his game and fill the void until McGovern's right to come back, assuming West Coast get that far into the finals. If we look at the rest, there's a few teams going to make the eighth. Do we expect the Dogs, Saints, and the Pies to make noise in the finals? Go yes. on. Yes. You expect who?
1: Dogs and the Saints.
0: You expect them to, Who do you expect them to beat? Oh, uh, look. Because the chances are they might play each other in the first week and the loser goes out.
1: Oh, the dogs will go out
0: then. Are you saying goodbye to the dogs? Oh, I
1: like Bond, don't I? Oh, mm. maybe not.
0: Well, you know, you're easily Is it Daniel? Yeah.
1: Oh, no. Oh, dear.
0: Oh, no. So of that group, I'm looking at who's most likely to cause some upsets. Collingwood played tonight, and I'm going to jump back on after this podcast and do a quick rundown of, of that game before we sign off. Oh, okay. Well, I might even sign off and then jump back on. I'm a pretty uh, <laughs> versatile man. I'm like, I'm keeping you guessing. Always. So they get Dagoe and Trelaw back this week, which is huge. They haven't had a settled team all year. If they can somehow get Jeremy Howe back early in the finals, they might actually cause a couple of upsets. I could see them winning a couple of finals. I can't see them winning four. And you need to win four finals to win the grand final, from that position anyway. Stevenson. Jaden Stevenson's a very different player with Dagoe in the team. He tends to grow... Now, don't laugh. He tends to grow another leg. But, I'm um, not saying anything. I mean that in the best possible terms. He doesn't get overexcited Tripod, out there. Tripod,
1: lots of stability. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <He> just, <laughs> he, you're getting worse. He's just able to... He, he seems to fit in there. The heat's on to goey, He takes the responsibility. And Jaden Stevenson pops up and kicks goals. Now, if you're wondering who's, who's screaming in the background now and again, that's our daughter, who's like six rooms away... <laughs> Pretending to be a lion. So, uh, look, please forgive us if you can pick that up. I might go down and beat her if she's not careful. I may
1: or may not try and do some soundproofing in the under-the-bed studio over summer. We'll see how we go.
0: Jeez, she's got some lungs on her. Yeah. Anyway, so I think if any team from that bottom half of the eight or the bottom three in the eight are going to make some noise, it will probably be Collingwood. However, if they lose to Gold Coast tonight, uh, you know, all bets are off. Go to Kilda. Yeah, go where? Um, <laughs> so, that's
1: that's the sound of a salty Hawthorne man uh, right there. There
0: is, it's coming up in a minute, don't worry <laughs> about that. So the AFL, in their infinite wisdom over the last couple of years, has implemented several rule changes to the game. Now I don't know, actually I do know whether they've improved or not, the, the standard of the game. They haven't. <laughs> um, they've implemented them to... Increase scoring. That was the, the whole point of them. Oh, let's increase scoring. Let's make players stay in this position when the ball's bounce. Let's do this. Let's this year they've they've reduced the time for games because of the COVID stuff going on and the the decreased recovery time for players. But I've been looking at the way the game's played. One of the things that has happened this year, and it's really been been prevalent when I've seen close games, the time wasted by blokes who take a mark within let's say, just say 60 metres for goal, and then go back and pretend they're going to have a shot at goal. So they go back, they line up the goals, they're looking at the ball, they're assessing whether they can make the distance. The umpire gives them 30 seconds to do this, and the clock keeps running. And then they half-kick it to 25 metres out to hopefully get another mark. And I'm like, this is actually a problem. I like it. It's not great. It's great. So here's a proposition I have, right? Mm-hmm. So they get 30 seconds to kick it. If they're going to keep the time at 16 minute quarters, they should start stopping the clock when a guy takes a mark and believes he's in range to kick for goal. So no 30 seconds, no, I'm going back, I'm going to pretend I'm kicking for goal and then not kick it.
1: Yeah, but how, how far out? Like, I mean, that idea of believing they're in, within range, shouldn't it be a hard and fast rule? Cause...
0: So say 50 metres. Yeah. So if you mark within 50 metres, the clock stops.
1: Is that, like, a big distance for somebody to kick?
0: (laughs) Pretty friggin' big for me, considering (laughs) I hurt my hamstring kicking from 35. Um, And then as soon as the ball hits the guy's boot, you start it again. So if he elects to do a little dinky kick 30 metres out, as soon as he kicks it, the clock starts again.
1: Yeah.
0: So it doesn't just stop and stay stopped. This way, he's not even wasting time. He's wasting his own time, he's wasting the crowd's time, but the clock is actually stopped and the game clock doesn't keep running down. Mm. So, players can take as long as they want in that regard, and it doesn't make any difference at all. The other one I got for you is if ball ups or centre bounces, the clock should stop at the whistle every time. So what happens now is that these guys pile in on top of each other, the umpire calls for for a ball up, blows his whistle, over he comes, the guys piss fart around on the ground with the ball... The clock keeps running and running and running again. By the time it takes the umpire to get the ball, to go back, see who's ruck nomination, and throw the ball up, can waste about eight or nine seconds. My proposal, and this is obviously not an official proposal because I don't have the capacity to do this.
1: (laughs) Are you telling me you're not in charge of things?
0: Well, I hate to break it to you. (laughs) So as soon as the umpire blows the whistle for a stoppage and a ball up, the clock stops again. He grabs the ball, and as soon as he throws it up, once the Ruckman touches it, or the ball touches the ground, so if they completely miss it because they're unco's, and the ball hits the ground, the clock starts again. So it's not really affecting the amount of...
1: You're just trying to make the quarters go on for longer.
0: Well, if they're going to make them 16 minutes, and they're trying to, like, I heard there's high-level talks at the moment at AFL about continuing on with 16-minute quarters.
1: But that... If you stop the clock, that will then just blow it out to, what, 20-minute quarters again, or whatever they were. I don't know. Well, I'm a big
0: fan of 20-minute quarters. Oh,
1: there you go. All right.
0: And you're thinking, let's just say on average, the guy has a shot at goal, and there's five or six a quarter, like set shots, and they're taking 30 seconds every time. That's like three, three three-and-a-half minutes gone for guys lining up for goal, and half the time they don't even kick for goal. So it's just basically time wasting. So yeah, I'm looking at that going.
1: <laughs> I'm a big fan of wasting time. but Yeah,
0: look, when I'm at work, <laughs> I'll waste time till the cows come home. But when I'm actually watching football, I hate seeing a guy standing there, milking the clock, and then not even having a shot for goal. I think that's a crap rule. So we've had some retirements in the last 24 hours.
1: Love the idea of retirement. Yeah. Okay, I mean, go.
0: these guys are retiring. They're 31 years old. Living the dream. Yeah. And they've probably made a lot more money than me, oh, too. Oh, yep. <laughs> Hawthorne lost Ben Stratton and Paul Puapolo, both premiership players. Ben Stratton, uh, Hawthorne captain currently, oh. and he's hanging them up. Probably the right call, and it probably also indicates that Hawthorne are in for the rebuild now. So there's the two senior players. Puapolo, been a really, really great servant in the club. Ben Stratton as well, and those guys are out. Bryce Gibbs hung them up on the weekend, had a farewell game. His missus was in the grandstand crying. You saw that? I did. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I told you, if you retired, I wouldn't cry.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be, be pretty like, good, happy.
1: I'd be like, do some more housework.
0: I'd be saying, <laughs> how do you do that? What does this button do? You'd doing? be crying. What does this button do? What's this H mean on the tap? <laughs> so he was hanging him up. He got a really, really good game. had 27 touches. you would probably be in the votes, actually, in his last game. The Crows won and he got cheered off by his former teammates from Carlton. So... Kinda of had a, a ripping day at the footy, Bryce Gibbs for his last game, and uh, sadly, his former teammate Matty Cruiser didn't get the same kind of send off. He he's been injury plagued, the poor bugger. He was viewed as the player Brody Grundy was in 2019. That's how people thought Matthew Cruiser would be, and he hurt his knee. He just continually had had health issues. He had a heart problem as well. He just couldn't get a clean run on it for for so long and he's decided to hang it up as well and just before we started this podcast as well Cade Simpson has announced that he's calling it a day 342 games a lot of games there mrs mongrel considering you can only play like 25 in a season really and he's had a fantastic knock at Carlton under some very trying circumstances in some very very bad years sadly for him he retires as the player with the most losses in history Oh, God. Yeah, so not, <laughs> not the greatest uh, title yeah. to have next to your name, but he'll also be remembered as a Carlton legend when all's said and done, so oh, good luck good. to him. In really, really sad news for Carlton, Mark Murphy is still going to play, so um, <laughs> they have to put up with him uh, impersonating a midfielder for another year. So speaking of the Blues, they lost to the Crows on the weekend, Crows' third win in a row. Now, all of a sudden, the Crows have gone from absolute sure things to win the Wooden Spoon which you get for coming last. I don't
1: know what a wooden spoon is. A wooden
0: really? Piece, yeah. Maybe you could use one in the kitchen when your cooks... Some... Oh, oh, oh,
1: sorry. Oh, Did I say please. we're on a health kick? Suddenly we're vegan.
0: Uh, edit that bit out, please. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly they're on equal points with North Melbourne. Three in a row wins puts them at 12 points. North Melbourne also with three wins for the year, and they got theirs really early in the piece too. They're 6% behind them on percentage. The problem is they're actually playing Richmond this week. So they've got this great run home, three in a row. North play West Coast and Adelaide play Richmond. If Adelaide were able to pull something out of the hat here
1: yeah.
0: and knock over would Richmond... Would
1: everybody just lose their shit completely? Oh,
0: Adelaide people would lose their shit. They owe, they owe Richmond a couple. I mean, they were absolutely tailed up in the 2017 Grand Final. They never really recovered from it. It was the catalyst for that camp that destroyed the club. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, people said on that camp they played the Richmond theme song to them and stuff. Uh, people have come out since then and said they did it once on a bus or something. But, you know, they owe Richmond a few. If the Eagles come out and absolutely thump North Melbourne on, I think, Thursday night, is it? You'd know. You're a fixture lady.
1: Have I?
0: No, you're not really a fixture lady. Um, no, I don't
1: think so. Anyway... If the Eagles come out and thump
0: North, Then I wonder whether Adelaide just absolutely go hell for leather against Richmond to try and get off the bottom. Sure, they lose the number one pick, but they're still going to get Get number two. Get a bit of pride. Instill a winning culture in the club. It's a long shot, but yeah, they've never finished last. Never finished last. And you think internally, there'd probably be a bit of a tug of war between people going... Do we go for this win? Do we just kind of put in a, a good effort and lose and can keep our bottom spot, keep the number one pick? The thing is they're, they're mooted. Mooted. Boot, boot, mooted. Mooted to lose. Uh, sorry, to move on one of their players, which will possibly net them a compensation pick that usually comes after your first pick. If they've got pick one, that means they could get pick one and two in this coming draft. So a lot's at stake. I mean, it'd be lovely to have a win, but at what cost? A draft pick, basically. A yeah. move down the order. While we're on the Crows, did Carlton absolutely shit the bet against them? They were in the finals race up until this game. And they came out and kicked one goal in the first half. And it just looks as though they, they'd just given up the ghost. They, Patrick Cripps looks banged up. And not the sort of banged up Joganino looks when he limps home. His pants around his ankles <laughs> I'm, I'm talking oh my God. I'm talking about He looks hurt And he looks really really sore
1: You know if I ever meet Joe You can't meet him I, I don't think I can now Because no. I just I you won't can't, know what to say He
0: can't live up To everything I've built him up Or built him down To be
1: There'll be a sort of Curious horror About our meeting Anyway
0: Yeah anyway Eddie Betts Looks like they're going to Carry him into next season And I can't really understand why Here's a snapshot Of his, of his last eight games He's had 8.8 touches per game, and he's had got a total of three goals in those eight games. So he's been brought back into this side to offer some leadership, yes, to to be a, a nice presence and nice n- nice nostalgia for Carlton, having him back at the club and stuff. Three goals in his last eight weeks. I'm wondering whether there's anything better on offer.
1: It's his job to get goals?
0: That's how he's made his living over the last 10 years.
1: Oh, that's not great then.
0: No, so the returns aren't there. So, I understand if, it, if it's a case of there being nothing better on offer. I think Michael Gibbons has been really good for them, but he's had, he's had bets as his foil, basically. He hasn't been getting the heat of taking the, the best small defender. They've got Zach Fisher, who looks lively, but now I suppose Tom Papley is apparently off the table. They're not going to get him from Sydney. I'm wondering could they make a play for Alex Sexton from Gold Coast? He's been in and out of the side up there. He doesn't seem to be entirely settled. I don't know whether there's a bit of a riff with him and Stewie Jew. He's been thrown back for whatever reason into you know out of the side. Um, I wonder whether he's gettable. I think he'd be a great fit for Carlton. He would have been a great fit two years ago as well. So he opted to stay at Gold Coast. Maybe they should hang on to him. They really need someone at the feet of their bigs up there like Harry Mackay and Charlie Kurnow when he gets back. And they've got this bloke, Mitch McGovern, who... He had one touch in the first half, and to the point where you know, I was kind of chiming in the, to the mongrel chat where the writers all kind of have their say on the games. And there was wild celebrations when he actually got a touch in the second half. I was like, oh, to Mitch McGovern siding, wow, I can't believe it. So he's been on a big contract with them, and I think he's out of contract end of this year. I'm not really sure what sort of deal he's going to get, but it won't be a good one. He's played himself out of another good deal I think he's going to get substantially less than he got this time around. So I don't even know if I'd keep him if I were Carlton. I'd let him explore options.
1: You're a harsh kind of fella, though, aren't you? Not a
0: fan. Mm. Not loving Mitch McGovern.
1: Oh.
0: Mm. So, Mrs. Mongrel. Yeah. Now that we've covered off whether Carlton shit the bed.
1: <laughs> you just like th- saying that. I
0: do. And they did. <laughs> I want to know uh, if you've got any more additions to your Mrs. Mongrel's all-star team Oh, yes, I do um i knew you did that's why i said it.
1: yeah i do well last time i didn't no you did i knew that i had to fess up
0: you did no research i can't
1: remember i can't remember what he did who but i've put jack viney in jack viney and i wrote in my notes through the week because he's not soft
0: oh no he's not soft
1: so he must have Oh, done I something remember. This week for me to go. I remember. Who's that?
0: Do you remember when he was running for the ball and the guy jumped up with his knee and collected him right in the face? And he just got up. And he just bounced straight <gasps> back up like nothing happened.
1: He was had a happened. hero. I loved it.
0: Well, that's what Jack Viney does. He's yeah. a bit of a nut like that, and
1: that's so impressive.
0: So often you'll hear the commentators talking about how hard he is, and, and he's not really doing anything to to um, earn that label at the time. And I'm like, people know when he's hard at it and why he's such a tough guy when he does stuff like this you don't need to tell us that he is when he's just like you know rolling around on the ground when he gets hit he jumps straight back up that's when you tell us that he's that he's a hard man
1: that was good i enjoyed that immensely
0: yeah it was a big hit too
1: and the second player is mitch robinson because i can't remember who he tackled but you talked about it before he ran up to the guy and he just kind of grabbed him like a koala would, and just held on.
0: <laughs> Those vicious koalas.
1: And just kind of, they toppled over, and it just, it was great. It was like this really angry kind of koala beast.
0: He plays angry. I love really it. He really plays it angry. Good. And he adds, like, a lot of people look at stats with Mitch Robinson, and his numbers are significantly down this year on previous seasons. I think last year, in our, in our games we were covering, he got best on ground three straight weeks at one point. So he was having a really good season last year. This year, he's been he's been doing a lot of the hard stuff. He said himself, this is the first year he hasn't been looking at stats and going, oh, how did I do? When did I do this? What did I get? What sort of numbers? He's just kind of going on gut feel and seeing what impacts he can make. And little things like that, like tackling hard and throwing his body in, they don't really... That They get you the same stats. So if you just hold someone by the jumper and tackle them, that's a tackle. If you grab someone and absolutely bury them in a tackle, it's just still counted as a tackle. Mitch Robinson does the latter every single time if he can. So I love it. Yeah, he's, he's right up your alley. Yeah, he is. So we might have a bit of a look forward to this week, a bit of a pivotal week, last round of the season. And I know there's a game to go, and I'll, as I said before, I'll jump back on before we finish up. But I'm looking at St Kilda GWS. And what it means for the. Hello? St. Kilda! Oh, oh, St. Kilda talk. We're having yeah. a. Every week when we talk about St. Kilda now, Mrs. Mungrell gets a big smile on her face, like, you know, we're talking about her boyfriend or something. Yeah. Well, You're well, not going out with one of them, are you?
1: Fellas. <laughs> <laughs> said some pretty complimentary things about you. Mm. <laughs> you don't mind a nearing middle aged
0: woman. <laughs> well, you know, takes all types. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm looking at what it means for the Saints and what it means for GWS. GWS can still make the finals. It would take a monstrous effort from them. St Kilda can still miss the finals if GWS provide that monstrous effort. So I'm not sure GWS have it in them. Watching the way they play, watching they're actually really good this week against Melbourne. They played the way their supporters would have liked to see them play all year. So they threw themselves in, they were in the contest, they worked really, really hard... They didn't get over the line. They got this young guy called Brent Daniels, who I think last week I spoke about. He's going to be really, really good. He already is. He means a lot to them, and he was out last week. Came back in this week, kicked three goals. He was fantastic. But I just think the Saints. It'd be very, you know, they used to talk about things are very Richmondy. They'd say, oh, you know, Richmond were eight goals up and they fell over and they missed the finals. That's so Richmondy. It's a very Richmond thing. Now, they've obviously shed that tag. They're like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're a gun team now. St. Kilda and Melbourne are the teams that do richmond kind of things or what was a richmond kind of thing. They tend to shoot themselves in the foot a lot.
1: St. Kilda and Melbourne.
0: St. Kilda and Melbourne, your teams.
1: Yeah, funny that.
0: So GWS would need to absolutely cane St. Kilda. We're talking 12-goal kind of 13, 14, 15 goals to 2, 3 goals win to have a chance. And they'd also need Melbourne to lose. I don't think it can happen. No. Saints have got a lot to play for. And Melbourne
1: are, are going to make a comeback.
0: We're going to jump onto them next. Essendon-Melbourne. We're not covering every game here, just the ones that kind of... The ones I want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm not covering Hawthorne. They've just really pissed me off. Um, Essendon-Melbourne. The D's just played their best footy of the year, I reckon, against GWS. Really, really gutsy win. The Bombers are a bit of a mess here, and they're not going to make finals. They can't do it. But they could play the role of spoiler. They're an outside team, and Melbourne are an inside team. So they're complete opposites. If Melbourne control the ball from the stoppages and get clean possession, they're going to win. If Essendon get the ball outside and control it, they they could go a long way to upsetting them. So it'd be just like Melbourne, in this one, to work their ass off, get a huge win over GWS, set himself up for a run into the finals... And then fall over against Essendon.
1: Hold on, so Melbourne could still make the finals.
0: They're sitting just outside the eight. They at could the still
1: win. I could still have my St Kilda Melbourne final, is what I'm hearing. If that here.
0: happened, it would be an absolute. You you, could, you should probably go and check out what the bookmakers are offering on a St Kilda Melbourne grand final. Because I'm guessing if that happened, you would make an absolute fortune. No,
1: I don't do that. No, exactly.
0: You don't believe in it that much, do you? <laughs> So jumping to the Crows and Tigers, we spoke about it before. They're playing with belief, the Crows. If they want to sacrifice the number one pick and really go after it, nah, shit, I can't see them beating Richmond. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had me there for a minute.
0: <laughs> Look, the thing is, even when they've played well, the Crows, they've still fallen down in quarters or you know for a half or whatever. You can't do that against Richmond. If you fall down for a half and don't play your best football, they'll just maul you. They'll just run over the top of you and really hurt you. And that's what...
1: If you were Richmond and the Crows looked at all good, wouldn't you just start whispering to their players, remember when we demolished you and then you had that camp?
0: Half of them weren't playing then. The other half They've were. They shipped them all out. The other, <laughs> the other half. Yeah, they were. But um, some of their midfielders have started to look really good again. The Crouch brothers are winning the ball. Matt, in particular, has been fantastic in and under. And then they've thrown one of their defenders into the middle, Rory Laird. They call him the fridge. No, they call him the desk. The desk. That's it. Not the fridge. That's what they call me. (laughs) Put food in me. (laughs) They call him the desk. Pretty hard to move. And uh, he's he's really excelled in there. I think he had 10 clearances this week again. So with Richmond, you either match them or you die. So you've got to match the intensity or you fall over. And I don't think the crows can match them for that duration. But what
1: if they do? Whoa.
0: Richmond will finish top four, and that spells big, big trouble. Because if you lose in the first week, you get a second chance.
1: Hmm.
0: Five to five to eight, no second chances. Freo against the Dogs. Got a good feeling about this game. I've been watching Freo for the last couple of months, paying close attention, and they're really coming together as a team. They continually have to play in bloody wet conditions. And I noticed that this one is in Cairns. I'm like, oh, yeah, great. You hate
1: Cairns.
0: Look, I've been there once. I don't hate it. I don't like football that's played in Cairns in the evening at all. I think it invites sloppy, wet-weather football. What are you you laughing at?
1: Nothing. Keep going.
0: I think it invites sloppy, wet-weather football. And you don't get to see the best of teams. Now, a bloke named Matt Tabin has been kicking goals and taking marks in wet conditions all year. I would love to have seen what he could do if he got a good run of five or six weeks with dry weather. Because he, uh, he got it a couple of weeks ago and was fantastic. Actually, I think he got it this week. Who knows? one of those weeks. Some point. But he kicked three goals this week as well. So he's, he's been fantastic all year. Very good opportunity for All-Australian. We might see Bont versus Fife in the middle. Which would be very very nice to see the season out for Fremantle. They usually would go with someone like uh, I don't know Toby McLean who might run with Bontam with run with Fife, but he did his knee in that incident I showed you. Oh yes, right. Yeah, and he'll be out for an extended period as well. So all the best to to him. That was a, a nasty one. I think the dogs are gettable here. I think they are. I think Fremantle are the sort of team that they're not playing for a draft pick here. And they've got the sort of form line that could worry the dogs. Would I tip them? I'm not going to give that away to you. Look at you eyeing me off like some sort of... Piece of meat? Sn- well, if, oh. I, if only. Uh, <laughs> pretty pretty big fatty steak. <laughs> or oh, oh, maybe I'm a tenderloin. Who knows what I am? <laughs> so moving on, we've got Port and the Pies to finish the season off. And it seems funny talking about you know, Collingwood's next game when they've got a game that I'll be talking about in a minute in your time, but in like five hours in our time because we're in a different time zone. No, we're not. <laughs> it's just that we're going to pause this for five it's, hours it's till it's we watch the game. It's degrading quickly. It is. We're degenerating. <laughs> I was um, just
1: looking at Port Pies and I was like, sounds like one of those fancy Melbourne restaurants that are just trying to send food pies. to people's homes. And...
0: We'd buy some. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Mungle's been getting gelati delivered, people. I'm not complaining. Pretty good. It's been fantastic. So this game could mean a heap or it could mean not as much, depending on how Collingwood and Gold Coast goes. Port are guaranteed top two, but you reckon they'd want to finish the season in top spot. They started there. They've been there all season. They'd want to knock over Collingwood in the last round not give Brisbane a chance to jump above them. The Pies would normally want to avoid a trip west in case they... The way it's looking, they may end up playing West Coast In the first round, first week of the finals They'd normally want to avoid that But given most of the games are being played interstate As I say interstate as in interstate for Collingwood It doesn't really matter where it's played Collingwood and West Coast First week of the finals will be an absolute belter So if that eventuates, I'd be pretty, pretty happy to watch that one And that might do us all right what do you think yeah all right um <laughs> so i'll jump back on tonight after the collingwood gold coast game hopefully there's some stuff to talk about with that and if it does have any i suppose permeations on the eight Permeation's is the right word don't think so well i'm going to use it oh fuck yeah i'm bringing it back permeations <laughs> permutations permanent nations if it oh, has it anything is,
1: we're gonna stop now thank you if it you, has everybody. any effect if
0: it has any effect on the top eight we'll discuss that as well so thanks everyone uh and just a quick shout out too. uh we've had a heap of people jump on in the last week and become members of the Mungrel punt really want to thank everybody for their support this year uh i know i write it after every post that we we make on facebook and we thank our members but it actually really does mean a lot to us and you're getting us to the point where we really want to be as a site and we're hoping to make some improvements going forward into 2021 that you'll like and hope that you don't hate. Um, but yeah, really sincere thanks to everybody for jumping on. Um, it's much more than we expected, so thank you. So we're back after the Collingwood-Gold Coast game. Mrs. Mungrel has so graciously joined me after she didn't watch any of it because she was busy editing all my mistakes <laughs> from the previous uh, 50 <laughs> minutes. But the big news is Collingwood will play finals now after knocking over Gold Coast. Oh. You sound so disappointed. I am. Look, they had a couple of guys come back tonight, and they could be difference makers. I'll get to them in a second. Before I go on, though, one of the GWS players has announced that he's leaving with a game to go in the season, so he's his name's Aiden Kaur. You don't know who he is. No idea. Uh, stepped up a bit this season in the absence of some some pretty experienced players. He's headed to North Melbourne by all reports. Uh, really come on as a defender. Good pick up by North. Not sure this catapults them up the ladder at all, but adds some stability in the backline. So, thought I'd mention that. And before I talk about the game, I mentioned that Carlton should probably try and add Alex Sexton to their ranks this this coming trade trade period. And Sexton responds by coming out and kicking three goals in the first quarter. And I'm thinking the Suns fans would be sitting there thinking, "Get stuffed, mongrel! No chance. We're losing this guy." <laughs> But I want to make my case for a second. So Alex Sexton's been dropped twice from the team this year. His ideal role is small forward goal-kicking kind of role. That will probably be taken by Isaac Ranking the next couple of years. At Carlton, I think he would slot in and take that number one position down there. He's very opportunistic. And I just reckon he'd be a really good fit for Carlton. 26 years old. Not, not, I'm not making the greatest case, but I'm just trying to defend... I was going
1: to say, well, <laughs> I'm not really hearing anything that's making me agree with you.
0: Yeah, oh, look, his performance tonight, he probably could have ended up with five goals. And had he done that, he could have been the match winner. As it stands, he got him off to a really quick start. And I don't know that... I don't know that Gold Coast would will be willing to part with him unless he actually wants to go. So it would be well, interesting to keep an eye on... Does he want to go? That he, if he does, he's playing pretty, playing his cards pretty close to his chest. Mm. So it'll be interesting. We've got a you know a month and a half away from the trade period. And there'll be plenty of names moving. I'm not sure Alex Sexton will be one. But if he is, I reckon Carlton should have a good look at him. Jordan Degoe returned for this game. Kicked the lazy four goals. Gave another one away. He was the game changer in this game. He was very, very strong. They had to put a key defender on him, which meant it's very difficult for a big guy to keep up with him at ground level. But he's just so strong through the... Butt. Close. I don't know what he's like through the butt. I'm guessing he <laughs> clenches really tightly. <laughs> he's, strong through he's the a, hips. He's a clean snapper.
1: Oh, my God. You just ruined it. What is you
0: it? ruined it. You said but. <laughs> he's strong through the hips. So at one point, he was running away from goals, stopped dead in his tracks. Everyone kind of ran past him. He turned around off two steps, went bang from 50 meters, and kicked the goal. There was a mistake by a bloke named Nick Holman, who... Uh, played on after taking a mark in the goal square and got run down. And that ball went straight to the other end and Mason Cox marked and kicked a goal. So it's a 12-point turnaround in such a such a tight game. Those mistakes really come back to hauncher. Trelaw was back for, for Collingwood. Uh, that midfield looks a hell of a lot more potent when he's in there. Josh Dacos really starting to find a lot of the ball and finding time and space to use it. So when he gets it, he doesn't seem rushed. He's got a bit of Pendlebury about him. He's also probably got a bit of his dad about him, considering it's his dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh he's looking really good. Old brother Maynard, Braden Maynard, is um, he kicked? He had two horrible kick-ins from fullback, and both of them resulted in goals to Gold Coast. So it wasn't like he or, or Collingwood just had a, a clear run of it. Uh, Mason Cox had his best game of the year Not sure about him yapping at his opponent After he kicked the goal But I reckon that's very American kind of sport Stuff Which would make sense Given he's an American but, yeah, you, uh, don't,
1: you don't do that though
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind someone Putting one on his chin at one point When he does that Yeah, he walks up to him He's got a bit of swagger And he starts yapping at them And uh, I wouldn't and have... Someone just plants a little kiss on his chin Oh, yeah Maybe a, a, a Glasgow kiss Maybe Headbutt right <laughs> in the chin That'll go all right. For the, for the Suns, Will Powell, really, really good. 13 games into his career. He's got veteran composure already. Looks really, really good in their back line. Saw plenty of good stuff from Noah Anderson. Yeah, that Holman moment, that was his revolt or Tabena moment. I wish he could have that back and go back and kick the easy goal. Lacotius, Jack Lacotius, who you thought... Lacotius King. Yeah, you thought that was his name. I thought that, that was his name. I said Lacotius and King, and you got oh, all confused. i
1: you be disappointed.
0: This bloke... He, he needs to ha- find Brennan Cox from, uh, from Fremantle and they need to have a casual off when they get the ball. Right? They just both look so natural and calm and under control. like Nothing phases them when they get the ball. And they need to have like a Zoolander walk-off <laughs> to see who can be the most casual when they get the football. And we can all watch and go, oh, look at the way he does, doesn't give a shit. Oh, he's yawning. Look at him. Oh, look, he just laid down for a little while. <laughs> He just gets the ball, he kind of looks around. Sounds like he me was, when we
1: go to the oval.
0: Yeah, he was pointing it at, like, at a player, telling him where to go at one stage and what to do. As another guy was about to tackle him and coming in like at 100 miles an hour trying to get him, and he's pointing up the field like, you run down there, do this. And then the guy hit him as he kicked the ball, and he got a free kick for it. It's like he like he sees the game in slow motion and decides to move in slow motion as well. So he's a... He's a... <laughs> He's a really, uh, really funny-looking cat. That bloke. Now, one comment was made. This this game was played in the evening in Brisbane, and halfway through the third quarter, the commentator um, Anthony Hudson, who everyone kind of loves, mentioned that the ball was like a cake of soap out there. Oh, and I'm oh. like, hang on a second. It hasn't been raining there. This is just what Brisbane is at night. Really. Now we've got the grand final scheduled for that, you know, for this time slot. In Brisbane, and I'm like, this is why people were campaigning for somewhere in the southern hemisphere where you can, well, further in the southern hemisphere, where it's gross, yeah, <laughs> where yeah. You, you don't get that sort of humidity because that ball was slipping all over the place tonight, and it's the sort of sort of conditions where you're not going to see the best yeah, of but teams. Yeah, Melbourne
1: weather is, it, like I said, it's gross.
0: Usually around September October, you get good days for. Really? Well, I've got a couple that are pretty crappy in the grand final, but usually... Mm -hmm. I'm more campaigning for Adelaide or Western Australia to get it. They've got a better climate. You might get rain, who knows, but you don't get that just horrible moisture in the air, which makes, makes the ball just slip everywhere. You had guys like Pendlebury dropping the ball, and you just don't see that, ever. So, yeah, really didn't like the look of that, and it looks as though we're going to have a grand final that's going to be played in pretty slippery, horrible conditions, so the afl made their bed i reckon there'll be people complaining about it after the grand final except the team that wins
1: i was gonna say when when you mentioned the afl have made their bed i'd I'd like to get into mine pretty soon
0: well i'll stop talking then (laughs) Uh, and uh, on that cheery note we'll let you guys go everybody and uh talk to you guys soon (laughs) cheers